Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer requests, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. So if you go ahead and get out your Bibles, today's message is our source. God is our source. God is everything. Jesus said in the Word, you heard me pray that this morning. He said in the Word, He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't do anything apart from me, He said. So we understand that God is our source of everything. Everything. Somebody say, God is my source. That's right. He's your source. Here's the first point today. He's your source of life. God is your source of life. Say, well, what kind of life? Well, let's get into some verses here and we'll talk some more about it. 1 John 5.11. Let's go there. 1 John 5.11. And this is what God has testified. He has given us, there it goes, eternal life. And this life is in whom? His Son. It's in Jesus. Keep going to the next verse there. Whoever has a son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. Now the world talks about life. Life. Improve your life. There's self-help people out there. And there's doctors and counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists. Your best life. And that's great. And you should live a good life. But they focus on the life here. There's so much more than that. So much more than that. Now God is, He's called us. To, to be living life in abundance. Scripture says the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly, or have life and have plenty of it. And I believe that's life here on earth, but I believe even more than that, it's eternal life. People live for the now. So often they just live for right now. That's why you see people living like crazy. That's why you see people living and they don't care. That's why you see people living and they're destroying their bodies. They don't care that that could be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Or if they've saved, gotten saved, it is a temple of the Holy Spirit. They don't care about the future. They're living for right now, fast-paced lifestyle to get everything they want now. And they don't realize, man, even in a long life, my grandma's life, 91. Three of my four grandparents lived to 91. One of them, 89. Almost a century. And their lives came and went. I remember 30 years ago when I had all my grandparents. I remember when I got married when I was 30 and I had all my grandparents. And then life just keeps happening. And people slip away and go on to be with Jesus and, and the wheels of time, time keep rolling and seed time and harvest and, and seasons and life and death and everything's going on here. But Scripture says in Acts it refers to Jesus as the author of life. When they crucified him, they killed the author of life. We know that God is the God of the living and not the dead. Right now, my mom, my grandma, and all that have gone before, those that you have lost in, in the kingdom of God, those that were saved, and they've gone on to be with Jesus, they're now alive in God's presence. God is the God of the living. Somebody say amen. Amen. God is the God of the living. So we know that whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. And I want to tell you this morning, God has called you to live an abundant life. He has called you to live a life of purpose. He has called you to have a full life and be blessed here on the planet. That is who God is. He is your source of life. But He's also called you. He's called you to live a long life here. That's His promise. That's His best. But He's called you to have eternal life with Him someday, and that's forever. Let's go to Titus. 
chapter 1, verse 1. Some of you are like, Titus? I didn't know that was in the Bible. That's in the New Testament. A little short book, a little small book. Look how it begins. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Look at what he says. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live what? Godly lives. Let's go to the next verse. Say, what are we getting at here? Check it out. This truth gives them confidence that they have what? Eternal life. Eternal life is life forever. Not on this earth, but when you die one day, if Jesus does not return in our lifetimes, when we die and go to be with Jesus, if he hasn't returned in our lifetime, you have eternal life. Somebody say eternal life. Yeah. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. So you have hope, you have excitement, you have joy. Why? Because God has promised you eternal life. There is so much more than this. Have you ever thought about that before when you got stuck in a rut or maybe somebody talked to you and they said, man, isn't there more than this? Isn't there more than this? You're like, yeah, there is. And sometimes even as believers, we get stuck in a rut and we say, man, is this all there is? No, you got to be reminded there's eternal life that he promised us before the world began. So our source, our God, who is our source, he is the source of life. Life and life in abundance. A life of clear thinking. A life of walking with God. A life of health and blessing. A life of unity and walking in love. Did you know you were wired for love? Even secular scientists have proven that your mind was wired for love and optimism. Secular scientists have even proven that. If you want to get more into that and hear it from a godly perspective, look into Dr. Carolyn Leaf. But your mind, your brain, I'm sorry, your brain was wired for love. So within, you don't feel like you get love or you're not getting love. Your mind becomes toxic. It's fighting against itself because God created your, your mind and your brain for love. Your thoughts and your brain were meant to be thoughts of love. And your physical brain was wired to be in love and to love people and to love folks and to love God and to have hope and to be optimistic. So when people are negative, it bothers you and you bother yourself when you're negative and you start to feel negative and it, it's a cycle of defeat and it's a, a cycle, a, a vicious cycle. Why? You were created to be positive. You were created to have life and have it in abundance. And many times your abundant life begins in your mind. I've been studying that. Your, your abundant life begins in your mind. Your mind and your thoughts, that goes into your brain, right? Because you, your brain and your thoughts are two separate things. Your brain, your brain, I'm sorry, your brain and your mind are two separate things. Okay? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So your brain and your soul are two separate things, but your, 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 your mind affects your brain, doesn't it? And then your brain affects how you live life and how you talk. And your brain affects if you're really living life to its fullest. It all starts in here many times. We're negative, we're negative, and then life is not life. It shouldn't be. It's not what it should be. All right? So just remember that. He is the source of life. He is your source of life. Let's go to point two today. Our source, God is our source of hope. A lack of hope will kill you. A lack of hope will kill you. There have been studies done where people lost hope, and they, you can hardly explain it except that their lack of hope in their mind and their soul realm, their lack of hope, or they feel like their spirit is broken and they're 
just defeated, depressed, and, and just, just totally in despair. Even healthy people have lost hope and started to lose their health, and they went on to be with Jesus. Years ago, when the Germans had the prison camps in World War II, the Nazi Germans, they had certain Jews in there, and there was one Jew in there, and I believe his name was Viktor Frankl. And he learned, he said, man, they can, they can take my life, they can enslave me. He said, but they can't have my mind or my will. And he learned to have hope even in a prison camp. You should look into his life, Viktor Frankl. He learned that he can have hope right where he was, and that hope kept him alive. You know what's crazy to me? Lately I've been hearing about people who have survived the Holocaust, and they live to be 98 years of age. They, something, something in their minds was strong because they said, I'm going to live, I'm not going to die, I'm going to survive this prison camp, this torture, this slavery, all that's going on here, and I'm going to go on and live a life because they had hope. I need to encourage somebody this morning. I don't know who, but even when I was preparing this message, I felt led by the Spirit of God to tell you this morning, if you've lost hope, you can get it back today. If you have lost hope, you can get it back, even right now by faith, you can get your hope back. You say, man, I, but I feel hopeless. There's nothing to look forward to. Start now. Get up a little earlier. Get into the Word. You say, man, I have no hope, but I haven't really been in the Word. Get into the Word and start praying again. Your hope will be restored, I promise. I've felt hopeless before. It didn't last long. It didn't last forever, but I've felt those feelings, and it's terrible. I wouldn't wish that on the worst person in the universe, to have no hope. Maybe on the devil. I don't know. But maybe not on anybody else. To be hopeless, be without hope and say, man, I don't know if I have anything to look forward to. There is so much to look forward to. You want to talk about it for a second? You've got your mind. Your heart is still beating. You've got your home where you live. You say, man, well, we, we rent. Yeah, you still have a home to lay and a bed to lay your head and a pillow. You've got work. Many of you have work. Many of you are like, I can choose from any job I want. Some are like, I already have work and I'm satisfied. Some are like, I have a job. I'm not crazy about it. Here's hope for you. You can always go get another job in this market especially. There's work everywhere. Did you know right now in the United States of America, for the first time in I don't know how long, there are 7 million plus jobs available that we know of in the United States and under 6 million people are unemployed. So there are more jobs than there are people without jobs. So that means there's a job for everybody in theory. A job for everybody. How's that for hope? Guess what? You're going to get paid again soon. If you're working, you say, man, I spent my money. Now I did my tithes and offerings. I don't know if I'm, I'm going to have enough. God's going to take care of you. And guess what? You're going to get paid again the next, this next week probably or in the next few days or the following week. You're going to get paid again. There's hope there. Guess what else? God's promises are for you. This is more important. God's promises are for you. You say, man, what, what kind of promises? Well, he's promised to take care of you. We talked about that last week. He's going to take care of your physical needs, your emotional needs, your spiritual needs, everything. There's hope there. And guess what? Here's hope for you as well. Some of you say, man, I don't have a lot of friends, but yeah, you do have somebody you can lean on around you, I promise. You may just have a few friends. But you got someone to lean on in this church or in your family or at home or at work. There's somebody that you can lean on. That's hope. You still have your family. You're blessed. You have your health. You have hope. Let's go to Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13. This is an interesting verse here. Look at this. <clears throat> Romans 15, 13. 
I pray that God, the source of hope, wow, that's interesting. And I already had the title for my message and I ran across that verb, ver, that verse. God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, the God of hope, is the source of hope. All right? Some of you are like, man, I feel like I've been through a tunnel. I feel like there's darkness in the tunnel. I remember Pastor Joel Stocksteel's message. He said, yeah, you know what? There's a difference between a dungeon and a tunnel, though. When you're in a dungeon, you're down in the basement, and there's no light, and you can't get out. You feel hopeless. But when you're in a tunnel, sometimes it feels like a dungeon because it's dark. But if you look carefully, there's always a pinpoint of light. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. I need to speak into someone's life today that there is hope for you. There is hope. There's a new future. There's a new day tomorrow. Guess what? You start new tomorrow. I heard pastor saying yesterday, we start fresh. We count Sunday as the first day of the week. Today you start fresh, and your work week may start tomorrow, but you started fresh today. You woke up and you came to church. Congratulations. That's good. That's a good start. Somebody say, I have hope. Somebody say, I have hope. Man, I don't know why I'm harping on this this morning, but somebody needs to hear this. You have hope. You are not without hope. But apart from Jesus, there is no hope. He's the only hope for this world. The government can't fix everything and save you. The government can't get you to heaven. Your job can't. The ex can't. I'm telling you right now, there is hope, but the only hope you have is in Jesus. The true, 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 eternal hope is in Jesus. Now, there's other things that lead us to hope, but it all points back to God and His goodness. God is the God of hope. According to that verse, He is the source of hope, and He's called you to walk in faith and trust Him so that you have confident hope, meaning your hope is strong, you believe, and it's not going to be moved. There is hope. Somebody say, there's hope. Uh-huh, there's hope. You know, people that commit suicide, they've lost hope. Whether from mental illness or things they've been through or a combination of things or they've been bullied or hurt they commit suicide it's because they lost hope people who have survived a suicide attempt they always say that when i jumped or when i did that i thought oh my gosh what did i do why did i do this and they're already falling maybe they jumped off a building or off a bridge or whatever and there's those that have survived there's a guy that survived suicide was it off the brooklyn bridge and he's all in one piece, and he's had different issues, but he said, man, we got to tell people that there's hope. I don't know if he was a believer. I saw this story months ago, maybe a year ago, and this guy said, man, I survived. Of all the people that have jumped off that bridge trying to commit suicide, he said, I didn't even break a bone. God had a purpose for him, and now he helps people to, to have therapy and to give them hope and to say, you don't need to commit suicide. All right? You don't need to commit suicide. God has a plan for your life, basically. And I don't know if the guy is a believer or not, but there's always hope. Are you with me? There is always hope. I love this next one because this is crazy. God is the God <clears throat> of faith. Now, you have faith, but here's what's interesting. Let's go to Romans 12, 3. Even the faith you have was a gift. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, look at what he's saying, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Isn't that interesting? How just is God? How righteous is God? That he asks you to have faith, but he gave each of us the measure of faith. 
This says the faith. Another translation says the measure of faith. So everybody got the same seed of faith in their lives. Isn't that crazy? Even your faith was a gift. We can't get all proud and go, man, I'm awesome, man. I just believe I have, a, I have faith, man. It was a gift. Even your very faith God gave to you. God gave you just enough faith so you could believe in him. Isn't that interesting? He is the God of faith. He is the source of your faith. He's given us the measure of faith. What is faith? Faith is believing without seeing. If you would, I don't have this as, as one of the references there. Mauricio, would you go to Hebrews 11.1? 1? Hebrews 11.1, 1, what does that say? Hebrews, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let's go there real quickly. Faith is the confidence. I like this translation. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for. Do you see how God is the God of hope and faith? That's amazing. He gives us hope so that we can believe. And then he gives us a measure of faith so that we can believe. He gives us hope so that we can be led to faith. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we what? We cannot see. Huh. How many of you are believing God for something right now? You have hope and it's turning into faith, but you're going, God, I know you're not going to let me down. And remember, you want to get your prayers answered? Pray according to God's will. So scripture says, pray. If it's a good thing and it's a right thing and it's a moral and a legal thing and a healthy thing, God's going to give it to you. God is going to give it to you. He's going to honor what you're asking for in Jesus' name. And God is the God of faith. Don't let your faith be shaken. Always keep your hope, knowing that hope leads to faith. Sometimes your hope, you just say, man, there's hope that this can happen. And then you keep hoping, you keep hoping, and pretty soon it turns into faith. You say, man, well, I believe this could happen. I had hope, but now I believe. And I had hope, but now I'm starting to see results. And how many of you know when you get an answered prayer, it builds your hope and your faith, doesn't it? You get an answered prayer and you go, wow, God is real. He's amazing. And something's going on here. He's doing something in our lives. I'm seeing results. So he is the God of faith. And my last point this morning, point four, is he is the God of truth. He is the God of truth. Your truth cannot be out of a magazine. Your truth can't even come out of a book unless that book gives references to the Bible. Your truth has to be God in his word. Are you with me? Your truth has to be God in his word. You've got to be anchored in his word, which is truth. You've got to be walking in truth. And, where, and you, you need to talk to God and say, man, where do I need truth in my life? Where do I need God to shine his light? Remember, light reveals truth. Let's go to Deuteronomy 32.4, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version. I love this verse. He is the rock. His work is perfect. We're talking about God here. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth, and without what? Without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Wow, he's a God of truth. Some of you need to know that. You need to hear that. God is speaking to us this morning and reminding us as believers, we need to put away lying. One verse in the Bible, I'm not going to go there, says, Wherefore, put away lying. Speak truth, every person with their neighbor. If you got a lie right now that you're dealing with or you haven't been honest with your spouse or a relative, you've lied to them about something, come clean today. Tell them the truth. I know that's a tough thing. You say, man, what will they think? What will they say? Did you know I've had people lie to me and then come back later and go, you know what, that wasn't the truth? And it touched my heart. I didn't think bad of them. 
I thought, wow, what a courageous person. I had a person years ago, probably 15, 16 years ago, and they had brought up something in passing, and I guess they told a lie. And they came to me later and said, I want to apologize to you. I said, about what? And they said, I told you that story and that situation, and that wasn't true. That's not how it happened. And they had brought it up to me. I wasn't poking or prying or prodding for information. They brought it to my attention. They told me that, but they lied. And I I felt so honored that they came to me. They loved me enough to tell me the truth. So if there's anybody in here that's living a lie, man, I've been there. I've been there where I lived some lies, and it wasn't worth it. Oh, it was a relief when the truth came out, even though it was harsh truth. When I told the truth, it, man, it was tough. And sometimes there's things you say, man, but that could really hurt them. We don't always tell everything we know. I realize that. But if you have deliberately made a lie and fabricated a lie, even in your own defense or just living a lie in some area, you need to tell the truth and let God lead you. It's so important. Did you know truth brings peace? Truth brings peace because it is what it is. Truth brings peace because it lines up with God's word. Truth brings peace because it is God's will. Truth brings peace, I believe, because it attracts God. We know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, okay? So he's not going to lie. He's not going to be part of a lie. So keep that in mind. Now today I've reserved some time. Reserved some time to pray for you. A little extra time. I want you to go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes this morning.